Brandon, we are back into the routine. Kids are in school. Night times are set. Our bedtimes are established. Waking up. I can't tell you how hard the summers are being out of routine. I love summer. Favorite season by far. But being back in a routine, Mm -hmm. like I'm not a, I don't love school. No. But I love routine. Something about being up in the morning and going Mm -hmm. and accomplishing. Um, You sleep so much better. You're exhausted by the end of the day. And does your daughter, is she pretty good about bedtime? Oh, yeah. She told me as we were getting back into school, I'm, I'm like, what are you most excited about? She's like going to bed at the same time and waking up at the same time. I'm like, you are not my daughter. You have a little adult in your <laughs> <Yeah>. house. Ah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's been awesome. Your kids are roll, rocking and rolling. Yeah, school's good. We uh, just busy with football season, cheer, friends, life, just high school. Yeah. Yeah. The routine, being back in routine is good. Uh, I'm excited about our episode today. I am. Because this guest is the opposite of what we strive for in routine. She didn't have any She has zero routine. I don't don't even know where in the world she is right now. No. When we talked to her, she might have been in Belize. She might have been in Iceland. Or maybe she she changed it up. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think she is in Belize or was. And then from there, she's going to Maine. Which, have you ever been to Maine? Nope. Um, it's pretty much Canada. Which, speaking of Canada, did you see this? You know where I'm going? Yeah. We have a following in Canada on the Missoula podcast. Like, we are, like, we're really international now. We are in Canada. What's so funny is we tried to create, or we did create a local podcast. Yeah. And we've never been more popular overseas in Great Britain, Germany, and now Canada. Like this is growing each week. Uh, We're growing in Missoula too, which is great and we appreciate, but the international following, like (laughs) the Missoula podcast, (laughs) world renowned. (laughs) Yeah. Well, crazy. It is crazy. Well, whoever's in Canada, we appreciate you. Do you like Canada? It's beautiful. Like in the Olympics? Like, do you cheer for Canada or do you boo Canada? Oh, no, I'd say I boo them. Oh, I totally boo Canada. Yeah. Yeah, It's fun. America's hat. They're better. Than us at hockey. And, and they beat us, but then they're like, sorry. <laughs> yeah, they're uh, too kind. They are kind. But yeah, anyway, back to our guest. Uh, hunting in Maine, zero routine. Jess McLaughlin. Did I get that right? Nailed McLaughlin. It. Uh, what an amazing story. Yeah. Yeah, this being her home base, but all of the amazing things she gets to do. She's so ambitious. And what a cool life. Yeah. In well, another in another life, I would have liked to have lived oh, how she does. Ambitious, adventurous, scary situations. Like I'm her parents. Like I can't oh. believe this is the life my daughter has. I just yeah yeah. She's the real deal. When you think about like a tough Missoulian woman, this just comes to mind. So you're really gonna like this episode. I'm really excited for you to listen up. Jess, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, you spend a lot of time in airports. Yes. Uh, where you head next? Friday, I pack up and head to Belize for a fly fishing shoot. So trading our kind of cool fall weather here in Missoula today for the hot tropics. And then head directly up to Maine to photograph a bear shoot after that. Belize to Maine. So that's what, do, made what, a, do you, what do you mean a bear shoot? A bear shoot, a bear hunt. 
Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. So it's um, it's been a fun packing challenge for Oops. sure. Packing like Belize fly fishing to Maine bear hunting. Yeah, you're going from hot to very cold. Very quickly. Yeah. On one trip. Uh, have you been to Belize before? Yes, I work there often. Really? So luckily, that's like a known entity. Yeah. Have you been there, Stephen? No. I've been to Belize. You got to go, Stephen. It's amazing. Come on. What does one do other than shoot a fly fishing? Oh, snorkel and dive and swim and drink cocktails on the beach. Can I be, is this embarrassing? Is Belize in Central or South America? I, or Central, not Central. embarrassing okay. at all. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Caribbean. Think Caribbean, tropical, nice water. I really don't know much about Belize other than our crew stopped there for a day. Oh, okay. So well, there you I'm, go. I'm so nice. in Belize. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, have you been to all the continents? Uh, I'm still waiting on Antarctica. All okay. my work's fly fishing, travel, work dictated. And so I'm still working on an angle for Antarctica. There's got to be something to get me down there. <laughs> we just, at had, some we just had someone on the podcast a couple weeks ago that book trips Antarctica. It was Katie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Adventure Life Missoula. Book nice. trips. Yeah. I've got to connect with Katie then. Connect with Katie. Yeah. Adventure Life. I know lots of penguins. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. Uh, <laughs> where where's your favorite place to go and shoot i know you're working a lot when you're yeah. there but I, i'm guessing you get a little bit of time to have fun as well it depends on the client some shoots like some work trips there's no downtime but it's still very fun um i was able gosh in 2015 i think to help open up a fishery on a remote atoll in the south pacific called anna and we just pulled a bunch of like professional fly anglers together um which is a job they're actually guys who just make a living running around fishing and then fisheries biologists, and they dropped us on this atoll in the South Pacific and said, you have a week. Good luck. See what you see. And we were eating like raw bone fish and coconut milk three meals a day and living with the, the island crew on the, the island sleeping on the beach. It was fantastic. And it was the right crew to do that with, too. Uh, she said it was fantastic. And I'm like, I'm over here like, oh, no. it was great. I'm I ended- so sorry. I feel so bad for you. So I ended up, I got... Um, my feet got infected with cuts from the coral. Like photographers, we're always going to places we shouldn't go and doing things we shouldn't right. do Getting to get the, the shot. shot. It's right. terrible. And I always end up in foreign country hospitals and came back, walked through LAX holding my flip-flops barefoot because my feet were so swollen oh. I couldn't get in my flip-flops. But it was still one of my favorite That's shoots. Because, um, again, it was the right group of people to do something like that with. Okay, well, take us back <laughs> to the beginning, how you become you i guess were you always just yeah i want the the crazy adventures where i end up in the foreign hospital like how how does jess become jess this crazy traveler photographer getting hurt all the time how'd you become you it's a long and complicated story and i'll try and trim it um i'm a montana kid was born um and raised up in columbia falls a horse kid so we had a horse facility where we boarded and trained horses um are you grizz fan uh, ambivalent, Ooh. honestly, which I know is not a popular thing, but I live in Missoula, but I'm, I stay away from the, I didn't go to college, so okay. I stay away from the collegiate Well, ambivalent rivalries. is better than the other team, yeah. so we'll take yeah. it. We'll take I did live in we'll Bozeman for a long time, uh, and I didn't we, claim the cats then, so. Okay. Can't say the C word on the podcast. Uh-oh, all right. Yeah. I'm banned now. It's all right. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, I grew up uh, in Columbia Falls. Yeah, I grew up in Columbia Falls. Horses. Um, horses, trucks, tractors, great way to grow up. Mm. High school rodeo around the state of Montana. Um. I knew my first boyfriend was serious when he could back his or pull his like gooseneck three horse trailer through the Wendy's drive through at, at 15, like Montana upbringing. Right. Wow. And sounds like a country song. Yeah. Right. It's probably somewhere along the line isn't a country song. Um, and then kind of wanted to travel, got the travel bug, didn't travel much as a kid. 
but said, okay, how can I turn what I know, my horse knowledge into travel and took a job in Canada and then in Europe training horses at 17. So Wait, at 17? So 17. You, you did you drop out of high school? I was uh, homeschooled in high school, okay. which was fantastic because I got through basically an associate's degree in high school and could just pack up and go. Um, and I always learn better by doing. I'd rather be doing something instead of staring at a book and thinking about doing something, I guess. Yeah, I can see that. So packed up, moved to Sweden, and that was kind of the first experience of international travel. Um, it was awesome. I showed up there and had like a car and an apartment to myself and just figured out how to live overseas. And Sweden's really easy place to live as an American. How many countries have you been to? I don't know, to be honest. I'd have to count them up. 20 something, I'm wow. sure. 30, I don't know. I've never I counted them up. I have a, a paper map at home that I circle each country when I come home, mm-hmm. but I've never added them up. Crazy. Huh? So you're off, to, uh, you're off to Belize next. Off to Belize. Um, what's that look like? You land in Belize. Are you just documenting somebody else's fishing excursion? Are you there fishing yourself? Like what, what, ha- what happens when you hit the right. ground? Um, Belize is different because there's a lodge there that I help manage a, the team of fly fishing guides. So I come down and we'll like show up and kind of help troubleshoot and manage this team of uh, 18 Belize guides who luckily listen to the gringa who's done this before and roll with the punches. But this time I'm actually going down to kind of touch base and help manage them, solve a few problems, but also get some fishing time myself, okay. which I'm really excited. I'm shooting a few stories and have a couple products I'm shooting for clients, but it's actually like I get to hold a rod, which is not as common as I would like it to be. Sure. Do you have any fish, just great fishing stories? So many. We could spend too much of the podcast. Give us one. Oh, um, that French Polynesian shoot, the Anna, where we were sleeping on the beach and eating the raw fish. The last day, it was a shoot for Costa Sunglasses, which we we see a lot of. So it's a high profile client shoot. You know, the creative director's there. We've got this whole crew. And I was shooting hard, like nonstop working. Um, Everyone would go drink on the beach at night and go back and edit. The last day of the shoot, the client walks down to the dock, well, the beach, where we would run the boats up onto the sand. And said, your cameras are staying here, you're fishing. Um, which never happens. Like, clients are paying money for a product. They want you to work. Yeah. And I said, okay, Al, I'll bring the clients and put them in the boat. Just in case. Or bring the cameras, put them in the boat, just in case. But I do kind of want to fish. And so my cameras sat in the boat while I got to wade this beautiful flat and fish. And hooked into my first uh, giant trevally, which is like a really well-known, difficult-to-catch saltwater species. Um, and was able to land it and some other fish that had been on my bucket list to kind of catch and take off. Um, so it was fun. It just, it meant a lot that the client was just like, no, you've, you've done the job. Relax a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, it sounds like these companies that are contracting with you mm-hmm. really admire the work that you do and how you manage and the organization of all of this. How do you go from being a, a horse Right. gal into <laughs> photography into now you're, you're like a leadership role where well this is very kind of you it's we're all learning as we go right sure um no i've been so after the horse after the horse era i got out of horses and kind of was at a bit of a loss of like okay what do i do with my life um and had always written as a kid i had written for like highlights magazine which is i hope it's still around yes. it's that little kid's yes. magazine i love highlights it was amazing remember the search and find steven where like you had to like find like the pencil <laughs> like no oh uh, yeah my childhood just came back oh, to it's like, so the doctor's great. office dentist's office he said yeah. the highlights and you, they call your name and you're so frustrated because you yeah. have to go back and uh 
you just needed to find the apple. You got to sneak that oh, magazine back with you. That's, that's the key. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, so you got published in highlights. So like, published in highlights. What did, what did you write about in highlights? I, would, I have no idea. I'd have to look it up. My mom has the clip somewhere, I'm sure, I hope. Um, that's amazing. Published in highlights, got away from the writing for a while, and then they were going to put a hydro, it's very specific, put a hydroelectric dam at Hebgen Lake near West Yellowstone, which... Um, most of us listening to this are Montanans. We know the history of Hebgen, big landslide, like mm -hmm. core Montana history. Mm -hmm. uh, and a hydroelectric dam just didn't seem like a great idea. So I think I was 18 at the time and got kind of self-righteously pissed off. I was like, I'm going to break this story. I'm going to help stop this. Um, the guy who was developing it, it was an Australian company. He wouldn't take any press interviews. And I was able to finagle a press interview with him um, in person at a cafe in Bozeman because he was in Montana overseeing the project. I think he thought I was like a, a college kid who just wanted an interview and wasn't going to do much about it. Got the interview, wrote the article, snuck on the site to get photos to be used with the article because the editor wouldn't run it without it. And that ran in what's now a defunct magazine called American Angler. Um, and the dam, it was later used many years in court, the to raise awareness, but that article was used to help overturn the project. So it never happened. And that for me was kind of this light bulb moment of, I know I like words. I know I like writing. This photography thing is kind of cool and look what they can do together. And that's huge impact. It, you said you were 18. I was 18. Yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And a kid huge impact. working, I was working three jobs, training horses still for other clients, working at Victoria's secret and selling sportsman's or selling fishing licenses and hunting licenses at sportsman's warehouse. So like broke, I think my grocery budget was not even a hundred dollars a month. A lot of rice and beans, a lot of rice and beans. Yeah. So we prioritize, I yeah. guess, what's important. That's incredible. So was it, that's just, I can't even imagine at 18 years old. So let me give, give me a second. Just <laughs> it's, to, like, it's like the Greta, the Greta Thorn, is it Thornburg, Thornburg <laughs> of like a generation of ago? Journalism. Journalism. <laughs> well, it felt really cool. As a, awesome. as a young kid, I was like, I enjoy this. I know I have mm -hmm. some skill set here that it was published, so it must be halfway decent. Um, and it can make an impact. But and it took more work back then because you didn't have all the social media platforms and Twitter totally. and like you're not connecting it. Like yeah. you actually wrote, published, and then yeah. here there was used in court and it was the wild. expert witness. Yeah. It's crazy. And you didn't think at that point journalism is is my direction. I'm gonna go to college and learn how to be a journalist. You were just doing it. I was just doing it. I it killed my parents. My mom was a teacher. I was offered two full ride academic scholarships, one to U of M here in town. Um, came to Missoula for U of M, tried it for a week and got bored and left. So I walked away from a full ride scholarship where I was going to double major in like poli and Russian. Um, and so I knew I had an interest in Russian and wanted to learn a different language, knew I had an interest in fishing industry and writing and photography. And so I thought, okay, I need to kind of figure this industry out. I'm a rural kid from Montana. I know there's a lot more to the industry than what we see here in Montana. And got a job helping manage a fly fishing lodge in very far northern Russia. Um, How did you find that? I feel so inadequate right yeah. now. <laughs> Bilingual, like no, my Russian's terrible now. If that I'm helps. just like I'm over here know. just trying to. Just like Google search. No. Where's the far furthest place I can go? I was like <laughs> I I emailed a lot of lodges. I knew uh, like I wanted to go to Russia. I didn't want to do Kamchatka um, on the far eastern side of the country because it was becoming more popular with American anglers. And this other part it's called the Kola Peninsula up near Murmansk. It's like this weird thumb of Russia that sticks off of. Uh, Norway and, and Finland and Sweden, kind of up there in the Nordic realm. 
uh, above the Arctic Circle, like very militarized. Tourists don't really go there. But I thought, well, that would be interesting. Like I could learn a lot and sent a bunch of emails, assuming I would never hear back from anyone. And like six months before the season started, they said, hey, we don't have an assistant manager for the season. Do you want to come to Russia? We think we can get a work visa done in time. <laughs> and so my had a panicked rush through all the paperwork and the work visa. And my visa showed up, I think, two days before I flew. Um, so it was just kind of like, sure, let's get on the plane and go and see what happens, which has turned out to be a really good career mindset. Just like mm. book the ticket, take the ride, see what happens. Mm. So horses, photography, world traveler, you become a writer. And yeah. so now you are, you're writing for multiple companies, correct? Right. Yeah. Photography for multiple companies and for individuals who want trip documented yeah uh you said you're taking off to maine after belize for a bear shoot is this yeah. is this a company event is this a private no it's for a uh, company on x actually a okay. company here in missoula so shooting this story um it's a a female gal who just got out of a career in swat in law enforcement and is now trying her hand at bear hunting so it's a a nonprofit who takes ladies who have like a military or or law enforcement background out on their first hunt so documenting it for them and then telling the story for Onyx also. Are you filming and photography? Am I saying that? I might be saying You're that. You're all good. No, I do mostly still photography. Still, that's what um, I was looking for. Still, yeah. it's still photography. <laughs> <laughs> if photography works, it's everyone has different jargon. And once you go international, it gets even messier. Yeah, if you went to Belize, you would know. But it's called still photography. <laughs> uh, but no, luckily I'm, um, so I'm writing this story and then shooting it as well. Yeah. So it feels like you're living everybody's dream, you know, skipped out on the college, <laughs> basically went on all these adventures and have, I loved what you said, stumbled upon doing what you love. Mm -hmm. Like you just kept chasing what you loved. Right. If somebody is listening to, to this, that's 18 years old or 20 years old, how do they even like get a grasp on where to begin? Like, Great like you question. did. Um, I get this question a lot, especially coming through Instagram. And first thing I always tell people is there's no magic answer. Like there's, um, there's no way around the work. It takes a lot of sitting down and grinding. I spent my Sunday all day yesterday sending out pitches to new international clients. Um, so even now, 15 years in, like it's very much a, an outreach. Mm -hmm. um, and don't be afraid of the work. Like just go learn and do the thing. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people get caught in this mental spiral of, but I don't know how to do it. Like I, I pick up a camera and I don't know how to take it off, you know, portrait mode. Right. Or I don't know how to write. Pick up a pen and write. Yeah. Or, or open up your computer and tap on your keyboard. Like just try it. And like I said, learn by doing has always been, maybe it's my personality, but it's been effective for me. What? Yeah, it seems like <laughs> it's, it's incredible. Still learning. For sure. And like what, what makes you unique in, in your space? Like mm. what do you do different or better or something that you love that maybe others don't love and, and has set you apart? Right. Um, that's a great question. I think combining, I market myself a lot as like words plus images. Combining those two I find is not very common. And often with new editors, it's a bit of a discussion promising them like, yes, I can do both at a professional level because they're used to either working with photographers or writers and mm -hmm. the two don't overlap. Um, I think also like working in the lodges and managing guide teams and doing the actual work in the industry in which I'm marketing myself. Mm -hmm. 
it's the best feeling in the world when I can show up. Um, I was I was down in a country called Lesotho in the southern part of Africa this winter and showed up at the lodge and it was a bunch of like really nice young kind of hotshot guides who are very good at what they do. Um, South African guys who are really fun. And they kind of had had a bad experience with the photographer the year prior. And they were like, it's a photographer coming. It's a woman in a camp of all dudes, like Afrikaans dudes. This is going to be a problem. And I was able to sit them down and be like, guys, I've run guide teams. I've guided. I've, you know, I'm here to hopefully get you guys some fishing days while I can photograph you and like not be a pain in your rear end. Mm -hmm. And you can just see people's like shoulders drop and they kind of relax. Um, because I think understandably photographers show up to places and everyone kind of tenses. Yeah. You see the hair on the back of their neck go up and they're like, oh, this is going to be a pain for me to deal with. And being able to just have that industry experience to see like, I get it. I know, I know your job. It's okay. I'm not here to make it hard. Yeah. That helps a lot. Well, you have, you have a ton of credibility, huge following online, incredible pictures been, you know, published all over the place. Uh, from outside looking in, it would appear that, hey, Jess has arrived. She's figured it out. She is an expert in her field. She's, but just hearing you talk and dream and passion, I know this is, you haven't, you haven't arrived. I hope we um, never arrive. What, what, yeah. what is next for Jess? What's the goal? What are you working towards? What, yeah. where do you see yourself, you know, three, five years from now? Hopefully doing more of the same at a different level um i'm working on a project I actually just got off a whatsapp call before coming here with a guy where we're uh exploring putting together an exploratory trip in a part of colombia that people don't go to um and being able to do more projects like that which are really hard to it's hard to find places in the world now where they're untouched that people just for political or simple safety reasons don't go yeah and then find the right people to go explore those with um they're often not the best paying jobs. It's a hard sell for clients to be like, hey, we're going to go here. We're hopefully not going to end up being a bad news story. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what we're going to be getting into, so I'm not sure how I can shoot your product. Have you gotten into any scary, sketchy situations? So many. So yeah, many. <laughs> so many. So... Um, Are your parents yeah. just constantly on edge, nervous about Jess and where she is and what's next? They've and... gotten a lot more relaxed over the years, yeah, which is good. Imagine. Some of the shoots they learn about afterwards, for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I think you just, you be smart, right? Yeah. I'm always traveling alone. So I'm always cognizant of like, okay, very much a white female traveling alone. I need to be buttoned up yeah. um, with a lot of camera gear, which is not the best thing mm -hmm. um, in a lot of these places. But you just, you mitigate where you can. I've taken a lot of, you know, medical and, and security type training courses. So I'm more prepared on that side as well, um, which have come in handy. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I mean, South America, you run into a lot of, uh, drug illegal drug activity i did a trip with a bunch of guys in peru where we did the first stand-up paddleboard descent of the madre de dios which is a river in the peruvian amazon mm. and so it was basically me and these peruvian whitewater athletes in this region that's really well known for illegal gold mining um and some other drug activities but you know we'd see the gold runners uh running supplies on the same river we're on and you just you know, have to be aware of like, okay, this is when I had the cameras. This is when like, I try to not look too obvious because obviously I don't fit into this group. Um, and we really had no issues. The only issue we had there is on our drive in the trucks out of the jungle, 2 a.m. in the middle of the jungle, bumping down the start road, all of a sudden spotlights come on. Um, and it was a random uh, anti-narco patrol who was stopping us and being like, why are you guys bumping through the jungle at 2 a.m.? 
And my Peruvian guys were immediately like, get your passport, get in the front seat. Because that was kind of the golden ticket, you know, of uh, like American passport, female with all these guys. Obviously, I think I was woken up and a little disoriented, but not being kidnapped or anything. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Crazy. there's there's been issue. I've had helicopter crashes in Russia and I've had like just what can go wrong will go wrong at some point. Um, but you just manage. Okay, another question for you. And I really, really hope you have an answer. <laughs> Okay. Do you have a favorite photo? Like, oh. Do you have a picture that you took that you're like, this is it? It's a really killer question. I hope you have an answer. I, I probably have two. Okay, what are they? That's great. Um, so I have one. It's non-fishing related. It was yeah. actually at a rodeo in Bozeman um, where it's the the clown, like the rough stock clown, silhouetted against the sunset. And it's mm. this really gorgeous orange background of him um, in the arena. And he's like holding his hat up. And kind of doing the classic nod to the crowd. It's awesome. And that was just like right place, right time. It was a cloudy day and the sun dipped like in this little line of the clouds so you could get this bright sun. That was a killer one. Sweet. Number um, two. Number two, I have a shot of a guide who I worked with in Russia, uh, Rory Patterson. He's Irish, very Irish. And we're in one of the Mi-8s, the big helicopters. This camp was out in the tundra, so it was all helicopter back and forth to town. And he's silhouetted against this old uh, Mi-8 helicopter kind of lit by the open door and it just shows the bench seats and how huge these helicopters are. Um, and it was early season. Like it's, it's ugly. We're on the tundra and it's snowy and gray and gross outside, but I just love the shot. That's awesome. Yeah. Are those pictures on your Instagram? Uh, they are somewhere. I know they're on my website. What, uh, what is your website? Uh, Jess McLaughlin media.com. The last awesome. name is a bear. It's very long. Uh, and then on Instagram, you are Instagram. It's same thing. It's Jess underscore McLaughlin underscore media. Check her out. A lot of great photos there. Thank you. A lot of fishing photos. Yeah. <laughs> Some well, other ones. You got a good audience here in Missoula that <laughs> loves that. Absolutely. I, I'm just so impressed by the way you carry yourself and hold yourself and the confidence. Mm. And, and that comes from obviously a lot of adventures and well, thank you. A, a, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of awesome life. Uh, it sounds like the the industry you're in is pretty. Is it male dominated? A lot of the hugely, yeah, yeah. It, so, just briefly, like, how have you been able to navigate that well, and what have you learned in the process yeah. of that? No, it's a great question. Um, I've always approached it with this theory of like, gender aside, I want to be the best person for the job. Sure. And I know I've had some some editors and clients tell me like, look, as a woman, we can't send you into this situation with a bunch of guys. Um, which I get, like if they're not comfortable with that, okay. I've done some work in the Middle East and like certain places in the world you get more, you know, there's other implications, uh, cultural implications mm -hmm. to having a female in the group. Um, but I just try and be the best person for the job, you know, have come in and just, it makes me push harder because I can't slack off. Um, and then honestly, at this point, I very much prefer working with men. Mm -hmm. I've done a couple shoots where it's um, a lot of ladies and guys tend to be a lot less drama. Um, so I, I don't know if I can say that. I just said it on the podcast. So there yeah, we go. You're fine. Brandon uh, and I are not in that group. We're a lot of drama. <laughs> Lots of drama. But no, I, I love, and I meet the coolest people showing up at these lodges or in different countries. Hotel bars during layovers are great. Um, I don't really drink much, but I always go and like get a coffee and sit and people watch. Do you feel like you still, you stay connected to some of the people around the world that like you guys meet? Like you've 100%. friends worldwide. Yeah, I have friends. Um, who I met on a shoot in Australia last year, coming up to Missoula next summer. Um, they've never been to the West. They want to see Montana. Um, one of those South African guides who I mentioned earlier, he's coming up next summer to That's visit. Awesome. So we all, the right people you keep in touch with. That's awesome. You know? 
there have definitely been some people where I, I am glad to get on the plane and leave them behind, but it's rare, yeah. right? People generally are pretty good. Yeah. So with all this travel that you do, and before we get into our rapid fire questions, oh, all right. uh, why do you have Missoula as your home base? Like you could be anywhere, right. it seems like, right? And, huh. and a lot easier places to be. A lot easier places. Nick and I were just talking about this. Um, I love the new Missoula airport, but it's still a pain to connect anywhere, right? <laughs> right. Um, it's, I like Montana. I moved away for many years. I mean, lived abroad. I lived in different places in the US. Um, I have a brother in Livingston who now has young kids. So it's nice to at least have proximity to them. And Missoula just, it's an eclectic town, right? Yeah. It's changed a lot. Um, I mean, you've certainly seen it change over the years. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I think last year I had like 40 outbound flights from Missoula. Oof, yeah. And so I, that same question, why Missoula? Right. And no, the connecting flights, you either fly out of Missoula at 6 a.m. or get home at 1230 a.m. Exactly. Yeah. And it takes all day to get to the East Coast. Yeah. But there's something about Missoula that just, it's home. It's, it's cozy. an incredible community that you just, yeah. you can't escape. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Yeah. Okay. I'll try my best. First question. What is your earliest memory of Missoula? (laughs) Earliest memory of Missoula is driving down from Columbia Falls and going to, there used to be a a tax store, a saddlery in the Albertsons, not far from where we are. Um, Yeah. Do you remember that? It's Uh, long gone. Um, Was it Western Outfitters? Yes. I'm impressed that yes, you know that. I remember so that. coming down to Western Outfitters and coming down to hit like the box stores. Cause growing up in the flathead, we didn't have I could come here and do Target. Right. And Barnes and Noble <laughs> and all this cool stuff. So like Missoula trips were a big deal. They were the big city. Yeah, absolutely. Uh Jess, how about your favorite coffee shop in Missoula? Oh, um Liquid Planet, probably. What's your favorite restaurant? I'm trying. I'm not in Missoula enough. To- <laughs> um, I'm always a sucker for like Mark and a front breakfast burritos. Oh, that's a go-to when I'm in town. So good. Uh, yeah. Um, what zip code do you live in? Oh eight. Five nine zero eight. Yeah. All right. And as you know, you said this earlier. Missoula's eclectic. It's weird. What is the weirdest thing about Missoula to you? Oh, I think the intersection of like grunge hippie that missoula is so well known for i still can go to the store and run into like a legit cowboy Mm -hmm. and then the influx of like new money that we're getting like this weird kind of gathering of missoula and everyone for the most part gets along really well which is a really cool thing it is really unique it's very unique walking with my family downtown this weekend and was just shocked at the diversity in such a small area like we have it all and it's amazing everybody just is relatively kind and cordial and it's yeah. just yeah, very, very unique. Uh, Jess, what do you love the most about Missoula? Mm. I purposefully rented an apartment like five minutes from the airport. So that's selfishly considering how much I'm in and out of there. Yeah. That's a big win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but otherwise I'd say just what we were talking about. That like is that one of the nice parts of the Missoula airport is when you get home, you can get out of there so quick. It's so you can nice. get to your car and out of the parking lot. And- yeah. Yeah, oh, very, it makes me happy. Quick. And I love, especially in the summer when all the Neptune planes are making their rounds. Um, I'm an aviation geek. I fly enough. I love planes. And so listening to those planes come in and anymore, I tell the time during the day of like, oh yeah, that's the 1250 Delta flight coming <laughs> overhead. Cause they literally, they rip like right over my apartment. That's awesome. Um, and it just makes me happy. Hearing planes is a cool thing. That's really cool. Well, you, you were an incredible guest. We love mm, thank you. the work that you're doing. Seriously, check out her website. 
you're so good. You're so good. And you're even better at uh, interviewing. So thank you for making Missoula home. And I can't wait to hear all the other adventures you go on. You're going to have to tell us about the bear hunt. Oh, it'll be fun. Yeah, can we get you back on in a couple months when you're home? And I'll have bear hunt, and then I'm in Iceland and Bolivia. So after that, we'll round back again. Iceland, Bolivia. How far out are you booked? (laughs) Uh, I'm booking into like April of 24 now with some gaps in there. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you get home for the holidays or do you care about the holidays? Will you be anywhere? Or Depends. Is it like, yeah. um, last year I was, I spent Christmas repatriating the a South African friend who had died in uh, Belize while we were working there. So that was my Christmas last year. I'm hoping it'll be a little chiller this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. You are probably the most interesting person in the room at all times. <laughs> oh, I doubt it, but thank you. <laughs> but no, thank you so much, Jess, for being here. Appreciate your story and taking time out of your schedule to meet with a couple guys on a podcast. This is amazing. Thanks awesome. for having me. I love what y'all are doing here. All right. Cool. Thanks, guys. <laughs>